Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. It's really, really, really brilliant to be with you this morning. And I was trying to explain to the young people on uh, Friday night. I think Friday night with 42, 43 young people here. Amazing time. But I was trying to explain to them, encourage them to come tonight, but explain to them what the presence of God is like and what it feels like when God's presence falls. Now, I don't know about anybody else this morning, but I really felt the presence of God there through that worship in this place. And I just want you to pray for tonight. The wee slide's going to come up on the screen. And I want you to pray because we've invited our young people, we've invited their families, we've invited you guys all to come back tonight, and I'm really believing for a move of God tonight, and this morning, but specifically tonight. If you haven't worked it out yet, and you're a Christian, we're in a fight, okay? Right from the start of Genesis, right through to the book of Revelation, it's all about battles. It's all about fighting. And would God have put all that information in there to say, become a Christian, grace gets rid of your past, and enjoy the rest of your life? Would he have put all that in there? Those those are truths. But guys, tonight we're going to look at two people in this church, I'm not going to give it away now, who I know are really good fighters. All right? They're good at fighting. Come along tonight, and you'll find out. And we're going to do a bit of boxing and have fun, like we are this morning. But before we move on in the service, I just want to take a moment. Now, I know Her Majesty the Queen splits opinions in this country more than anywhere else. But all I want to say this morning is, she was a grandmother, she was a mother, she was a great-grandmother. Now, during her life, And over these last few days, we've sat and watched newsreel after newsreel of things she's said and things she's done. And I've picked out just one statement. That one Christmas, she said in the Queen's speech. And this is all I'm going to, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read a verse from the Bible and we're going to pray. And I'm going to leave it there. So this is the Queen speaking. Through my life, the teachings of Christ have been my guide. And in them I find hope. History teaches us we need saving from ourselves, from lecklessness, from our greed. God sent into the world neither a philosopher or a general, but a savior with the power to forgive. You know, over these next few days, there's going to be a family grieving. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not. It might have passed you by, but today's actually 9-11. There's going to be thousands of families grieving this week through acts of evil. And I'm going to read this psalm, a really famous psalm, but a psalm that I love. And then I'm going to pray. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I wonder just for a moment, could we all stand? I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, we take a moment out of our day to come before you, the King of Kings. We bring before you the members of the royal family as they mourn the passing of their mother, their grandmother, their great-grandmother. And we bring before you all those who are mourning. May your peace be upon them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. I was brought up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor, and I remember many, many times going to services that wasn't at our church, so he would go and speak at other places. And I remember going in, and the hymns would be in a certain way, there would be different hymns, and then dad would get up to speak. And the hymns that were, we'd sang were basically his sermon. And I would sit there going, how has this happened? Surely dad sent his notes to the minister or to whoever was leading it, and that dad said, look, I want this hymn, I want this hymn, and I want this hymn. And for years, I could never get my head around this. I'm like, like there's no way this can happen. Now, again, if you've been a Christian or you're not a Christian, and, but I'm sure you're aware there's hundreds of thousands of worship songs, hymns out there, yeah, that we could pick and choose from. And this used to always happen regular and regular. And I remember dad used to get up, and he would say, God's amazing. God's timing's perfect. I did not choose them hymns, and this is what I'm going to speak on. And they would go and they would preach in a way, and I'm sitting there going, no, I'm not having that. Well, <laughs> this morning, I had nothing to do with the hymns. Hannah, did you know what I was going to speak on this morning? Okay. That last hymn, if we put the words up to that last hymn, we read them, I could just sit down and it would save me doing any more. Guys, God is amazing. I promise you, it is real. It took me years to work it out, but it definitely is real. When I was younger, much longer than this, the first word I could spell was salvation, okay? And you might say to me, Steve, you must live in a really holy house. Now, there's some of you sitting around there smiling, okay? Because you know what's coming here. I learned a song when I was very, very young, Okay? And the song goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. No, you can't get to heaven without S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Okay? Sing it out loud and clear. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. 
Shout it out. Far and near. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Okay? And then the, the next verse went on and it said, As a gift of his love you receive, S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Acts 16, 31, S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Now, it's much better when you sing it. It sounds a bit rubbish when I just keep... Just believe and receive, S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. So why could I spell salvation? Because I learned that song really young. Who can tell me what they think the first memory verse I knew was? No. Listen to that verse. What did it say there? Acts 16, 31... S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. And Acts 16, 31 is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I want to talk to you this morning about salvation, okay? And I want to talk to you about the foundation blocks of what we believe, what I believe as a Christian. And from this morning on, whenever you have any questions about Christianity or what we believe or God, Rather than typing into Google what the Christians believe, I want you to type into Google what does the Bible say. The first foundation block as we look at salvation, as we look at what we believe as Christians, has to be the Bible. This is where we start. This is where we finish. What did it say in that song there? Can you bring it up there, lads? Maybe I'm throwing a spanner in the works and not. Bring, bring up the last bit of that song there. And it tells us that Scripture alone, I think you had it up, Ethan, a few seconds ago. Scripture alone is where we find our answers. Right, what's some of the questions out there then? Justice. Over these last six months, I've been asked more times by people in my, than in my whole lifetime, asked more times, what does it say in the Bible about Justice. What does it say in the Bible about truth? Phil's covered this quite a lot over the last. The in thing now at the minute is there's no truth. You can have your truth. I can have my truth. And it's all truth. That's not what my Bible says. Truth. What about marriage? What about relationships? What does the Bible say about relationships? How we should live? Where we should live? What about creation? Real passion of mine. Love teaching the kids in there. Creation. In the beginning, God. End of story, okay? I may look like a monkey. I may act like a monkey this morning on Friday nights, but I definitely did not come from monkeys. In the beginning, God. God created me. What about sexuality? What about how we feel? What does the Bible say on that? What about identity? Big one at the minute. Who am I? Who should I be? Brilliant verse right at the start of the Bible. Genesis 1.27 tells me clearly, I, everyone, no matter how you were conceived, no matter what situation you were conceived in, if you have been born into this world, you are made in the image of God. Okay? No matter your disability, no matter your situation, you are made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 tells us that clearly. 2 Timothy 3.16 we're going to fly through the Bible. If you're taking notes this morning, we're going to have five points. We're going to have five scriptures that are going to come on the screen. And I hope to keep each point to five minutes so we can get out of here in half an hour, hopefully. That's my aim anyway. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Let's have a look what it says. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. 
It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us. We all love the first bit. Sorry, to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Can you go back to the last screen for me, uh, Ethan? All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us. We like that bit, don't we? We all like to be taught. I'm shocking with a computer. Phil has screens here, okay? I have notepads, okay? No, no phone. I have lots of books with post-its in. That's how I, oper- how I operate. I had to put a wee thing together for to advertise uh, for what's going on tonight, and I asked Zoe to do that. I do not I know how or what, how to do that. We all, I love being taught. We all love learning, don't we? But when it comes to that next bit in it, to make us realize what is wrong. Don't like that bit, do we? Yeah? The Bible teaches us what is wrong. Why? Because God hates sin. Why does God hate sin? Because it hurts us. Yeah, God doesn't hate sin just to be a big father with a stick saying, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do the next thing. Yes, in my house, I have to say it quite often. Why? Because I love my children. I don't want them going that way. I want them going this way. The Bible is good at telling us what is wrong. Why? Because God loves us, and He doesn't want to see us in that pain. What else does the Bible say? What about abortion? Yeah, there's a hot topic at the minute. The Bible clearly says in Psalm 139, you're knitted together in your mother's womb. For me, killing a child at one week old is no different than killing a child at 10 weeks old. The Bible's clear on that. Clear. And this is where we start. This is our foundation block. Okay? There's lots of books out there that help us, that guide us through our lives, that even guide us through what the Bible says. But our last, our final authority has to be, has to be God's book, the Bible. And whenever people come to me and say, Steve, what, what does the Bible say on these different things? Or what do you believe as a Christian? I go straight to the Scripture. I say, give me a minute. Give me a half an hour. Give me a couple of days. I'll come back to you. And I'll have a look and see what the Bible says on these things. Grace. I'm not going to spend too long on this one because Phil talked about it really, really well two or three weeks ago. Grace. Let's have a look at grace. The grace isn't one of the kids in your school class, all right? Or in my case, it's not my nephew. That's not what we're talking about, our niece. That's not what we're talking about here. Let's have a look at grace. Let me read the definition of grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We are sinners. We have all done wrong. Because of what we don't, because of that, we don't deserve to have a relationship with a holy God. We don't deserve a home in heaven. Here's another one. Grace. The free, unmerited favor of God as shown in salvation of sinners. Grace. How do we gain salvation? S-A-L-B-A-T-I-O-N. How do we gain it? We start with the Bible. But we gain it by grace. God's gift to us. He says to us, because of what Jesus did on the cross, 
Because of the sin he took there for you and for me, I am willing to give you a home in heaven. But guys, it's more than that. I remember being brought up hearing that hundreds and hundreds of times, this free gift from God, a ticket to heaven. Guys, it's more than that. What does the Lord's Prayer say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Now, you know, grace gives us an opening to heaven here on earth. Give, grace gives us a relationship with a holy God, a holy God who hates sin. Why? Because He loves us. That's what grace does. In lots and lots of ways. You know, grace says, your past is forgiven. What did it say in that song? A, lo- a line drawn in the sand. It is finished. When Jesus died on that cross, it was finished. Your past sins are forgiven. You're guaranteed a home in heaven. Let's have a look at the next one. Faith. So, how do we find salvation? How do we find out about God? How do we get right with God? How do we come into a relationship with God by reading the Bible? Through, by grace, through faith. What's faith? Okay. Most of you this morning came in, walked up to the coffee machine, pressed the coffee, poured the milk in, and took a sip or tea. I appreciate that in this church, I do not drink tea or coffee, but the opinion on the coffee is divided. I don't know who makes the coffee, okay? I don't know who makes it, so no offense, but some people think it's amazing, and some people think it's stinking, okay? I don't know because I don't drink tea or coffee. But when you come in this morning, you, took your, you chose which one you have, and you put it in, and you drank it. None of you went, inside here. Uh, Johnny, where did the beans come from? Or where did you get your tea? Who made this tea? And is it, is it warm enough? Or, none of you did that, did you? You had faith to believe that the coffee was good or bad, and you took it and you drank it. So, every single one of you has also came in here this morning. Okay. You walked in and you sat down. I did not see one of you, not even a health and safety officer in her presence, go like this. Let's just check that. Um, are them screws BS standard? Are they? Are they screw? Uh, there's a screw missing there. No, I'm not sitting on that one. No, no. Every single one has had faith. You trusted the chair and you sat down, yeah? Are we in agreement? Every day we use faith and we use trust. Me and Andrew love to go mountain biking or BMXing to bump tracks. There's lots of bump tracks around the country. There's a really good one for anybody who hasn't done it yet, uh, down at St. Mary's Peter Track, or Mary's Peter Track, should I say? She's not a saint, is she? But <laughs> Mary's Peter Track. We love to go mountain biking, okay? So we, we who have BMXs too, we'll go down to the bump trap, okay? And we'll get to the top of the hill, and we'll hammer down the hill as fast as we can, and we hope that our brakes work. Yeah? We hope and pray that they work. And we can do it two or three times. And each time we get to the top of the hill, okay, we might stand here. And at no point when I'm standing at the top of the hill, before I go down the bump trap, do I go, 
check these brakes, just make sure they're all right, make sure everything's working. And we fly down the bump track, but we know every time that our brakes are going to work. We have faith, we have trust in our brakes. I maybe should check them more often. We all understand the concept of faith, okay? We all understand, and we do it every day, most of the time without thinking. How do we gain salvation? S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. How do we do it? By looking at the Bible. By grace, God's gift of grace. How do we gain salvation? Through faith. Through faith in what? Through faith in who? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in what He did on that cross for us. You know, folks, no matter what we do on this earth, we could pray a thousand times a day, and there's religions who do, at certain times and in certain directions. We could sing worship songs from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed. We could give generously to all churches, to all charities. We could work and work and work and work and work. Be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind. What does the Bible say on that? The Bible clearly says, in Isaiah 46, it says this. This is a hard verse. If your heart is not right with God, all your good works are like filthy rags. I have plenty of filthy rags lying about my workshop. I've had plenty of filthy nappies lying about my house. Not for long, they do go in the bin. So I understand totally the concept of a filthy rag. All those things are like filthy rags if our heart isn't right with God. How do we gain a relationship with God? I'm not saying to you, how do you gain a free ticket to heaven? I'm saying to you, how do you gain a relationship with the one who created this world, the one who put the stars in the sky, Almighty God. I don't know if you've been out and about lately, but creation just blows my mind. I was watching something the other day, and the rainbow just came across the sky. Like, it just fascinates me. Creation is unbelievable. We go out kayaking quite often. I talk about this all the time. The kids always laugh, Dad. You're always bleating on about kayaking. But when we go out into the water, I can go from a busy, busy estate and only three or four miles away in the center of a water, and it's so still and so calm. How do I come into a relationship with God? One way, and one way only, through faith, through faith. Let's have a look at Romans 5. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2 reads this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we continually and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. An amazing verse. 
We start at the Bible. We come to grace. And through faith. You know, this is a statement I've heard made loads of times, and I find it astonishing. That's a verse in the Bible. There's only one mediator, one way, one mediator between God and man. And that's the man, Christ Jesus. I just, it blows my mind that through what Jesus did on the cross, I can talk to God. No matter where I am in the world, I don't have to come into church. I don't have to go to a certain place. I don't have to face a certain way. You know, I do most of my praying driving. If I had to get down on a mat and pray facing a certain way, I'd be snookered. I wouldn't be able to drive a car. It just blows my mind that through faith in Christ, I can come and have a relationship with God. The Bible is our final authority. By grace, we can receive salvation through faith. Through faith in what? Through faith in who? Through faith in Christ. Through faith in Christ. God sent His only Son into the world to die for you. To take the punishment for all your past sins, for all your future sins. He took the punishment for you. You know, I can't remember where we'd been, but we were somewhere with Andrew, and he came out, it was a church service, and he came out, and he said to me, and he wasn't saying it complaining, but he said, Dad, if I had a pound for every time I've heard that Jesus died for my sins, I'd be a millionaire. And as I thought on that, you know what came to me? Andrew, you are a millionaire because you've heard that a million times. And you know, no matter how many times I hear it, and no matter how many times I prepare it, I just thank God for what He has done for me on that cross, for how He died for me on that cross. John 14, verse 6 is one of my favorite, favorite verses. Favorite verses. I teach it to the kids. Do you know why? Because it's so clear. This world is really messy. And I, I, I pray over my kids because as they get older, the black and white in our world seems to have gone. It just seems to be one gray area. Truth and lies just seems to be merging together. But the Bible is so clear. What does Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Really clear. That's what I believe. Folks, when people ask you, what do you believe? That's what you believe. The song said it before. Don't be ashamed of it. Stand up for it. It's truth. It's truth. Let's have a look at the last one. No, before we look at the last one, I want to read something. Came across this this week. Really spoke to me. Jesus fed 5,000 people 
Only 500 stayed after lunch. Jesus had 12 disciples, but only three prayed with him in the garden before he was arrested. Then only one stood with him at the cross. The closer you get to the cross, the smaller the crowds become. I wonder what that cross means to you. Lots of symbols right across the world, especially in this country. I wonder what that cross of Jesus Christ really means to you. Do you really understand what Jesus did there for you? Let's have a look at the last one. We start at the Bible. We gain salvation, S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N, by grace, through faith, in Christ. And we live our lives to the glory of God alone. And you might say, Steve, what does that mean? What do you mean to the glory of God alone? What is that saying to us? You know, there's a Westminster Confession of Faith, big words, but it starts off by saying this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You know, when we really understand what God has done for us. 1 Peter 2, verse 21, makes a lot of sense. Let's have a look at it. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in His footsteps. And you're sitting there saying, Steve, you told us a couple of minutes ago that our works are like filthy rags in front of God. So now you're telling us that we have to do works. You know, if we really understand this gift from God, and I've heard people describe it as a free gift from God. And I, in the past, have probably described it as a free gift from God. And as I was preparing this over these last few weeks, it really came to me. You know, this gift of grace through faith in Christ definitely wasn't free. It cost God everything. It cost God His only Son. I have an only Son, and I would do anything for Him and for all my other kids. God Almighty gave His only Son to die for me. And people love the grace bit. We love the bit where, where God says, look, I forgive your sin. Your past is gone. It's forgiven. But people don't like the bit where we have to come to God and realize that we've done wrong. People don't like the bit where we have to serve God, where we have to put Him first. I want to set you a challenge for this week. As we go into this week, as you start your day, the first thing you do every day, the first thing you do is get up and say, God, I am going to live for your glory today. Not for my fame. In a world where we're trying, everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to see what everybody else is doing. 
You know, the great thing about coming before you and speaking, I'm always conscious that I'm not preaching at people, okay? I do not have Facebook. I do not have Instagram. I do not know what you had for tea last night. I do not know if it, what color your wee Johnny's uniform was when he started school last week. I do not know any of that, okay? And I am a fairly private person, and I honestly don't know too much about any of you in here, okay? Maybe that's a bad thing, but I, I know that most of you guys in here probably know everything about everybody in here. I've learned that through my kids. If I need to know anything about anybody, I'll go to them and say, what, because they have Instagram and Facebook and everything else, and that's fine. But you know, I want to challenge you this week that as we go through this week, these are the building blocks. These are the foundation stones. A few weeks back when I spoke, I built a wall. You might remember the wall. William said to me this morning, you've got the blocks back out. I said, I have, but they were bricks last time, William. These are foundation blocks. Yeah? These are where we start. And really, I probably should have done this sermon before the last sermon because we need these in place Otherwise, our life will fall apart if we don't know the Bible. Grace means nothing to us. Why should we have faith? Who's Christ? Why on earth should I live to the glory of God alone? If I don't get the concept of what this is saying to me, life as a Christian becomes a real struggle. Tonight, we're going to talk about struggles. Okay? I struggle. And I think it's really important that us as Christian, Christian, I hate calling myself a leader, but Christian leaders we should make it clear that we struggle, yeah? We struggle with depression. We struggle with self-image. We struggle with all them things. And I'm going to bring two guys tonight who are going to talk about their struggles, and then I'm going to round it up, maybe talking about some of my struggles. But you know, guys, we struggle from a position of winning. I don't want to take about what I'm going to say tonight. But we struggle. We know we're on the winning side. So many Christians know they're on the winning side, and they go, I'm on the winning side. I'll just sit here, and that'll do. I'm going to win, so why, why compete? That's not what it's about. Yeah, we're on the winning side, but we have to fight. We have to fight to win. I spent years playing rugby and had to fight for many a win, and I've talked about this before, and tonight we're going to cover it. Guys, this is where we start. This is where we have to start. We have to start with God's Word. God's Word, the Bible, we gain it by grace, through faith, in Christ, and we live our lives to the glory of God alone. I promised myself before I got up I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to have to because it's been on my heart for so long. We have a kids team in there. Some weeks, there's over 40 kids in there, okay? There's three people who are willing to volunteer every week to do that. There's over 100 in here this morning, I would say, or near 100. Yet we can't get people to help on the kids team. Guys, we're here to serve. That's our job. I said to our ministry team this morning as we met together, when you come into church, it's not, right, I've done my bit, let's sit back and relax. You're here to serve. We're here to serve. We're here to serve our neighbors. We're here to serve our work colleagues. We're here to live our lives to the glory of God alone. By the Bible alone. By grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. I hope that's helped you this morning. I hope it's helped you so that when people ask you questions, you can explain how and why you're a Christian. Maybe you've been here this morning, you've been a Christian for years and years and years. 
And maybe you've heard that a hundred times. Well, as I was preparing that, it was a great reminder to me of what Jesus had done on the cross for me. And do you know what I did as I was preparing it? This is my old Bible, New King James Version. Used it for years. Love it. And I could probably have rhymed off a good few of them verses in this version. But you know, taking the other version out and reading it really reminded me of how special God's Word is. And it reminded me of not to just rhyme off the verses. We do that so many times. We rhyme off verses that we might have learned when we were younger. And do they really mean anything? And as I opened the the New Living Translation, it made me sit and read God's Word again and see how amazing His Scriptures are and how it teaches us. You know, we're going to come around the communion table now. This is what this is, a communion table. And again, this is a question that's been asked of me a few times lately. What is communion? When everyone walks to the front, what are they doing? Why are we doing communion? Why do we take communion? What are we doing when we take communion? I want to explain to you really, really quickly. As we closed this morning, what is communion? Have a guess what I'm going to do. I didn't bring up a YouTube video on what is communion. That's what we do nowadays, isn't it? When we don't know what to do, we type into YouTube. How do I fit this lock? Or how do I hang this door? Or how do I change a wheel in a car? You know, I didn't put it into YouTube. Have a guess what I did. I opened my Bible. I said, Lord, show me what communion is. Show me where communion is. Show me how I should take communion. Or show me again what you did on that cross for me to give me a reason why I do communion, why I take communion. The verse is going to come up on the screen. And it's 1 Corinthians 11. I'm going to read it out off the screen so I get the right version. And this is what Paul, writing to the Corinthians, explained to the people what we are doing here what this is about. And as I read this out, we were chatting about this one day, and I started reading this verse, and a couple of my kids were able to finish it out. Because when we were younger, as a family, and we went to communion, the pastor would read this every day. And I want you to hear what it says. For I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. That's what this wafer is. Yeah. It's an example of the bread that Jesus would have took. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks for it. He said, thank you, Lord. And you know, we should do the same. As we take our bread and our wine, we should go back to our seats and we should say, God, thank you for what you have done for us. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Folks, why do we come to the front? Why do we take this bread? Why do we take this wine? Because we're doing it in remembrance of Jesus' broken body. Nothing magical about this. Nothing magical. 
But you know what is magical? The fact that God sent his only son to die on a cross for me, to take nails in his wrists for me. And as I take communion, it blows me away. It breaks my heart to think of Jesus hanging on that cross for me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. You know, as we drink this, I want you to remember Jesus' blood shed for you is a covenant between you and God. If you have come to him, if you've asked for forgiveness for your sins, as you take communion this morning, I want you to remember what Jesus did on that cross. And I want you to remember the promises he made. He said it was finished. Your sins are gone. They are forgiven. We don't live under them sins. They try to pull us down. The devil comes in and tries to say, what about this? What about that? You know, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's what the Bible says. And as we drink this wine in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross for you. I think it's really important. We take time out in reverence to thank him, to thank him for that. What does the next bit say? For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Bring up the next verse for me, Ethan, please. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. This is a really important bit. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. You know, guys, the Bible is clear. As we come around this table every morning, and it's really important every Sunday morning we do this, I want to encourage you, examine yourself. I have to do it. Everyone has to do it. Are you right with God? First of all, do you know God as your Lord and Savior? If you don't, why not do that this morning? Why not make this morning the first time you come to this table as a Christian? It's a really simple way to do that. All we have to do is come before God and we have to say, Lord, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Come into my life. Help me to live for you. You know, God's promised that if we do that, He will. Christian this morning, you're not ruled out from this. You have to examine yourself too. If there's anything wrong in your life, confess it to God. Bring it before Him. And then we can come before God in a worthy manner. Why? Because of what Jesus did on a cross. Nothing that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. You know, there was an old hymn that I've sung hundreds of times over the years. I'm really not that old, I promise. But I have sung this hundreds of times. And every time I come to the communion table, it comes into my head. Some of you older guys in here might remember this book. Some of you middle-aged people might remember having to try and open it and read the small writing, like me, when you were a kid. Some of you people my age might remember, if you've been through church, 
when you, ha- when you picked this up, you knew it was near the end of the service because you knew it was communion. But I want to read this verse to you, or this chorus to you. I'm not going to sing it. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. For me it was in the garden. He prayed, not my will, but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. In pity angels beheld him and came from the world of light to comfort him in his sorrows he bore for my soul that night. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Oh. When with the ransom in glory, his face I at last shall see. Twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. You know, this morning, I wonder if you really grasp that love. I hope and pray you do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you and praise you for who you are. I thank you and praise you that you died on that cross for me and you rose again. And that today you're alive, you're a powerful God, we are on the winning side. Why? Because on that cross you defeated death. You defeated sin. You defeated fear. You defeated lies. You defeated all those things. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.